So how many of these guys do you think had had sex by the time they put any of these records out? <laughs> like, what do you think, what do you think, like, you know, like, virgin to non-virgin ratio is for, for the flexure head comp? Like, entire band, you, you, you're thinking? Like, every member of all, all the bands. Yeah. I would put I, it at, like, 30%. I was going to say like 25. <laughs> that sounds but, about right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I bring that up only to reinforce the fact that these kids were mad young. Yeah, like, yeah. This is we're not we're not saying kids who don't have sex aren't cool, which I mean that's true. If you don't have yeah. sex, you're not cool. But yeah. no, these were yeah. We're talking we're about like young. thirteen year olds and fourteen year olds. Yeah. yeah, I mean there were some really young people on on this compilation. And mm-hmm. you know, with that be so, you know, last episode, uh, you know, David, we talked about Fugazi's uh mm-hmm. the argument kind of is sort of a bookend you know, to what I think most people consider as like being discords productive or, you know, like when they're really kind of an active label. I mean, they're still like, an active like a, like a like a cultural sort of like focal point of, yeah. of music. Yeah, exactly. Where, you know, you kind of, you know, maybe bought the record because it was on discord. Didn't mm-hmm. It was um, we're talking now about I mean, this is this is the the early days. This is this is where it all starts. Yeah. Um, you know, Discord number one, Teen Idols Minor Disturbance EP, State of Arts No Policy EP, The Minor Threat 7 Inch, Legless Bull by Government Issue, In My Eyes, which is actually a half release. Uh, so I know that we're already breaking our own rule here about half releases, but we can't. It's, it, it's, not a, it's not a half release on their official listing. I don't think every, like, split release is a half i think they were just weird and capricious yeah. in the beginning and they just sort of like threw them around yeah. but yeah i mean this is that that's the those two eps are those two seven inches were sort of combined yeah most people know it as the as just minor threat right we, it's not the, we, yeah we can't really ignore them so <laughs> no no we can't so uh you know everything from uh that up through the flex your head compilation i mean we talked a little bit of, in the last episode about yeah we talked about Bad Brains. We talked about Wilson High. We talked about sort of these like cornerstone past, like free free history, right? Yeah, but we want to sort of dig in a little more about the actual music and the yeah. actual bands that were forming. What I think most people can really consider like the the punk, the the underground scene. I mean, I think maybe the punk scene is a bit early to call it that. I don't know if all of these bands we're going to talk about would consider themselves punk in the sense that like. Historically, historically, we think about it, maybe not punk in the sense of like what it was at the time even. But yeah, this was sort of this underground community that based off that cornerstone we were talking about last week of uh, George Towns radio station. Like these were the bands they were playing on the local show. These were the bands that they were getting, you know, talking to the members and, you know, seeing it shows and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, and we mentioned one of them last week uh, in talking about the apocryphal uh, Cramps concert uh, mm-hmm. at Georgetown University in 1979. The band that played with the Cramps that night were the Urban Verbs. Oh, uh, yeah. So, you know, I think Urban Verbs probably, if you're talking about, you know, sort of notable new wave punk, punk adjacent music in DC, 1978, 79, Urban Verbs is probably the big one. They were on a major label. Um, the singer is a guy named Roddy France, who's the brother of Chris France, who um, is the drummer for Talking Heads. Talking Heads at this time, you know, are huge in kind of, you know, the sort of 
quirky, accessible, new wave um, stuff. So, you know, obviously, uh, I'm sure some of Talking Heads' luster rubbed off on on the Urban Verbs. Um, you know, musically, they're okay. They're, they're pretty, they're <laughs> yeah, pretty they're, they're okay. Yeah. They're pretty mannered, you know, sort of skinny tie. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of, you know, nervy guitars and yeah, sort of, sort of more poppy rock, Eno kind of stuff. That that yeah. sort of artier kind yeah. of uh, music that was coming out around then. Yeah, the the post glam rock moving into more yeah, nervous, wiry kind of music, right? Yeah, yeah. What what eventually kind of becomes, you know, more popular popularly known as sort of as new wave. You know, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, Talking Heads are obviously at the forefront of that and you know urban verbs definitely sound like talking heads is kid brother yeah. uh, and a lot of bands do at this time tons mm-hmm. of bands do um that's not a knock on urban verbs or any of these other bands it's just you know um talking heads were luminaries and you know they they had a lot of influence especially with people who were you know a bit older and maybe a little more cultured um you know or had more exposure to that sort of art school uh, thing. It's interesting to think back. I mean, you and I are not old enough to know this, but I think a lot of things we hear about this time period is that, yeah, they didn't have like a lot to draw on. And the reason a lot of this stuff, I think I could put forward that a lot of this stuff sounds the same because the source material they were coming from was, was so small. Like they were yeah. only... You could only buy so many records. You could only listen to so many records. You could only find music in so many different avenues at this point. So, yeah, if this band sort of sounded like the Talking Heads because there was a sibling among them, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, it's not, yeah, you were saying it's not a knock. It's not, it's not to say like a lot of music at this time was bad because it sounded similar. you would iterate at this point. You would sort of hear something and you learn how to play it and you just pick it up as you went along. So other, you know, stuff that's going on in DC, Tiny Desk Unit um, is uh, another band that is kind of, you know, on the make, uh, getting some attention, uh, sort of their, well, I don't know if it's claim to fame, but, you know, Bob Boylan of Tiny, of uh, NPR's uh, Tiny Desk Concert. Mm-hmm. Is uh he's a is he the keyboard player? Or is he he's the like puck? the electronics keyboard player. Yeah, yeah. they would. So he, was that, he was in mm-hmm. Tiny Desk Unit, which is where the Tiny Desk Concert Series gets its name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiny Desk Unit are there, and you know they've definitely got that kind of nervy Talking Heads uh, wire um, kind of thing. You know they they play up in New York a lot. There's footage mm-hmm. of playing. I think at Haraz you can find on YouTube. Yeah, their 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 first like quote unquote album is really just a live recording, I think, from the nine thirty club, like mm-hmm. early nine thirty club of them opening for Pear U- Ubu. Oh, and yeah, yeah, it's oh. it's like they claim they were a live band. They didn't really like doing yeah albums. That really that probably means they didn't have any money. Uber actually if you if you want to draw like a through line through a lot of these early bands they were I think yeah like Talking Heads is one and Perubu is this one of like weirdo making this kind of electronic outsider Weird. art music yeah. right yeah from, it was from like, like the middle of nowhere Cleveland like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you know you can hear way more about Perubu you know go read Simon Reynolds' uh, Rip It Up and Start Again and, you mm-hmm. know um but, you know, absolutely. I think Perub is another through line for some of these bands that are there, are sort of present at the creation, but aren't part of that canon of DC hardcore that we sort of think of it. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, uh, which um, I think, um, you know, actually 
has some uh, more direct impact on what becomes DC hardcore are the Slicky Boys, mm-hmm. um, or as I like to call them, the Stinky Boys. Damn, yeah, Got incredible. I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to show music the the magic here, but Nick told me that joke ahead of time. Still funny, still funny. <laughs> Flicky Boys, you know, they're, they're, they're playing around a lot. And um, oh, there's one guy in the band who, who, who kind of takes a shine, I think, to, you know, sort of the younger punk kids. Um, I'm, I'm looking Kim, up. Kim Kane? Yeah, Kim Kane. I was going to say Kim Thale. But it was like, no, mm. that's the guitar player from Soundgarden. They're kind of a trash garage, you know, sort of, I don't know, kind of like almost like New York dolls. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking when I was listening to it. And and, and I was scrolling through and listening through to a lot of bands that were sort of popping up in, in their wake, I think, or sort of around this time. And yeah, the New York dolls, that's the other big tentpole band I think we're talking about is this yeah. glam rock and roll garage rock that's like winking at masculinity. Like Slicky Boys apparently comes from a, a term of like, uh, in the Korean War of these sort of like rough youth. Oh yeah, street toughs. Street toughs, yeah. And so, yeah, it was it was playing around with that idea, and I think it was a lot of like a lot of winking in yeah. this early period. A lot of like we're not really serious. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean that that's and it, and it comes out. Of, with that. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. and it comes absolutely out of the New York Dolls. It comes out of you know the Ramones sort of like lunkhead. Mm-hmm. The appropriation of the Brill Building, you know, and, um, you know, uh, definitely I think Slicky Boys played with that, you know, and, uh, and lots of other bands that, you know, sort of were of a similar ilk, I think. Other bands around this time, I think the Nurses were one. I, I've never heard anything. I don't know if they even recorded, but I know yeah. they were there. Um, and then, you know, this sort of it sort of continues like, you know, there are these sort of punk adjacent bands that aren't, you know, punk in sort of a discord way, you know, uh, velvet monkeys, uh, is one of them. Chalk circle who, um, uh, finally put, had their stuff put out by the guy from no ages record label really worth seeking out. Very interesting stuff. Nuclear crans who are almost like no wave mm-hmm. and even, uh, like half Japanese. Call it all girls! Call it your business! Call it all Persian! Call it Ken Ann Trover! Call it Gates Slim! Call it Andrew Kenton! Call it Andy Goldberg! Call it Eva Ken! Call it Gretchen Dahl! Call it Patty Lane! Call it Paloma Picasso! Call it Genevieve Wayne! Call it Geraldine Chapman! Call it Yoko Ono! Call it! I mean, this is—it's also funny to think of this period as—and I think this is probably true for a lot of scenes, um, like not very well documented in New York or, or London kind of scenes—is that this is a period of sort of like the burning of the Library of Alexandria. Like, it's there's not a lot of documentation of this period. I think there's a lot of like written talk yeah. about what happened back then. There's a, like <laughs> some shitty maybe one or two songs being recorded somewhere like a live recording or something but these it's a lot of bands that it was very difficult very expensive even a shitty recording to make an album or or press vinyl and a lot of these bands never got recorded or what they did sort of was lost to time and it was put out by some tiny tiny one person label that yeah if you're lucky and you sort of stood the the test of time here you maybe get put out by the guy from no ages label. Yeah. So. And, you know, Chalk Circle are, are worth talking about only because they were the only, I think, all, all woman band mm. at this time. Sharon Cheslow was in that band. She worked on the band in DC photo book. 
Uh, oh was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is she the, is she the is she the one that did sort of all the like the a lot of the classic photos is that you're talking about? Cynthia Connolly. Mm. Uh, she's the one that designed the um, famous uh, sheep out of step. Oh, right. Thing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, she was someone that was there documenting, taking pictures, you know, um, uh, you know, help helping out, you know. But Chalk Circle were the only sort of band that was an all all women band, mm-hmm. um, which you know, I think as DC hardcore gets faster and more aggressive and more, mm-hmm. you know, sort of aggro. A lot of these bands like Velvet Monkeys, Chalk Circle, you know, sort of these bands that don't fit into, you know, sort of the Discord sound, you know, mm-hmm. um, Pussy Galore was another one. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. Pussy Galore was, abs- I mean, they put out a song called, I think that was like Fucky and Mackay, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. Oh, yeah. yeah. And like, I fucking love Pussy Galore. Like, I, I think they're one of the great indie bands of the eighties, but, um, they like, you know, it was very, and we'll talk about this as we kind of get through the discography, but like there was a sound and it definitely felt like there are times where it feels like if you're not part of that crew or Mm -hmm. that scene, like you're kind of SOL. And that's why a lot of these bands either fade into semi-obscurity or they move to New York or whatever. In a way, you know, if you were to talk about this with Ian McKay, he'd probably say like, well, yeah, that's, you know, good. Like, Mm -hmm. like I would want something like that because, you know, it's not just discord, you know, it's Mm -hmm. all these other people who are doing things. But, you know, I think if you read Dance of Days and you read, you know, you sort of dig into sort of the you know, the, the sort of scuttlebutt, like, yeah, you know, it's definitely like, there's an in-group, out-group thing, I think, sometimes yeah. happens. And I think that's the case in any scene. So mm-hmm. it's not like I'm knocking, you know, Discord in particular. So, yeah, you know, it's, it was, it was, it's a, it's a resources thing, I think. I, I, I would imagine it was sort of the in-group when you're putting out records and when you're a small sort of punk label or, or underground label. Yeah. It's a matter of, you have to keep your circle kind of tight because if you just start you know, recording every band that you like or you see a lot. Like it just, there's just a lot of them, and there's a yeah. lot of people. There's a lot of chat. And you're at that yeah. point. You're at that point. You're Greg Ginn and SST. So, <laughs> so you know the other stuff that's going on around this time. Like you know, we were kind of talking about like what are these bands drawing from? You know, in terms of influences, we talked about Talking Heads being kind of an influence on some of the older, uh, you know, artier bands, maybe. What's influencing, you know, the kids that end up on Flex Your Head? And big influence here, I think, is UK punk. Specifically stuff like, especially Oi, Mm -hmm. like Sham 69 and the UK subs. Um, several of the bands I think cover if the kids are united um, and you can definitely see the influence in terms of like the fashion that they take on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not that sort of like bricolage exaggerated style, but it's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's that you don't low... get, you don't get like that sort of like boots and suspenders thing, but mm-hmm. you get like the sort of, you know, studded leather jackets and the yeah. tartan scarves and mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, if you go, if you just leaf through band in DC, um, you know, uh, 81, 82, it's like everyone's got a leather jacket, mm-hmm. everyone's got a UK subs patch, um, and everyone's got like, you know, a tartan scarf. <laughs> right. Why, why do you think those bands were the ones 
that were being picked up on musically because like we were saying the actual bands playing the shows a lot of them were more arty bands a lot of that like new york early yeah. punk late you know mid 70s kind of why, that why style like why them? yeah why do why do you think musically a lot of these bands are were being uh, um, picked from the uk it's simple i mean like you know, it's it's rousing sort of like, you know, four chords, sing along, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's, you know, someone I think famously said that Oi was basically punk rock that sounded good in soccer stadiums. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Yeah. Or it was like soccer chants reconfigured for, uh, you know, punk rock. And mm-hmm. uh, so I think that was part of, you know, and you all those bands like Sham 69, UK subs, um and were, they, like, were they like were like the undertones? Was that when when were they? Were they late seventies? They, were, 70s? Like, they yeah. were late seventies, but all those bands because they're in England and because England is you know much smaller than the U.S., mm-hmm. they're all on major labels in England. So that means a lot of those records get through on import, yeah. um, you know, and and so that's how I think a lot of it kind of gets discovered. And The Damned is another one. I know that Jeff Nelson has, I think in Our Band Could Be Your Life, he says that, you know, The Damned are the Beatles of punk rock. You know, The Clash, I think, was another one. Yeah, uh, I think it definitely... It's funny you don't you don't hear The Clash in a lot of these bands, it, for, for me at least, because we're talking about the covers, we're talking about If the Kids United and, and so many... I mean, like, just so many punk bands at this time record that song, and I was trying to think about why. We're going to talk about other covers later, but I was trying to think about why so many covers happen in this period, and it's the... Why, when you go to Guitar Center, there's always some like 14 year old playing Smells Like Teen Spirit? Because it's simple. <laughs> it's simple and it sounds fucking cool, man. You know, yeah. it's like it's it's it's, it's so simple like, and straightforward of an idea musically that you're just like, yep, I'm yeah. I'm gonna learn how to play it. I gotta learn how to play this first. Yeah, and you know, the other thing is it's everyone is sharing the are, are sharing these records. You know, UK punk is definitely an influence. And the other one that I would say is absolutely an influence is the California hardcore stuff mm-hmm. that's coming out of um, SST with Black Flag, um, the Germs, and the Circle Jerks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's how you get from, you know, the Teen Idols to Minor Threat. Black Flag, I think, is is the is sort of the the standard bearer here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, Germs and Circle Jerks, yeah, Circle Jerks end up getting out of L.A. eventually, but it takes them a while. Germs never get out of L.A. Like the, those records, uh, you know, they only get heard. Darby, pick up the mic. We're talking about a time period of uh, two years, three years. I mean, we're talking on the on the Discord records of a year, right? And yeah. it's really f- when you step back, and I think we're going to do this a lot, especially if we do sort of like long stretches, is that this is a lot of records and a lot of history that's been like picked over for so long. But we're talking about months. We're not talking about uh, uh, listing this in years. We're talking about listing this in months. And it's this kind of feeling whenever I talk, whenever talking about the Beatles comes up, which, you know, who wants to talk about the Beatles? But the one thing I like to bring up is that the Beatles released every single album of theirs in seven years. Like that's mind boggling. It's not even like the feat of releasing that much music. It's that you have this period of such uh, understood change in music and you know overrepresented or overanalyzed whatever but it's 
Yeah, there's, no. there's, there's a lot to pull out of such a small time. And it's not, I don't think it's just because we're looking back and thinking and talking about it. I think it's really because like you just iterated so much and so yeah. quickly because you didn't have the freedom that we do nowadays of thinking about the past a lot because it was just like, okay, what's new? What's in the record store? What's, you know, in the copy of like enemy that I got this, you know, like that's probably two, three weeks old or something, you know, right. like it just, do, 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 and just real, real quickly. Right. Yeah. And you know, the other thing is music is a, is a, at this point is still sort of a finite, you know, it's a scarce resource. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, it costs money to, yeah. you know, buy these records. And if you're buying them on an import, it costs a lot of money for 19, mm-hmm. 1981. You know, we're, we're talking about a time period where, you know, uh, music is not available at the click of a mouse and, you know, getting those, early black flag singles on SST and those early uh, germs uh, records on slash and the danger house and posh boy seven inches Mm -hmm. um, is huge because it's, it's just like a that stuff sounds so much more aggressive than what, you know, was happening in New York, even like two years before that, you know, black flag sounds like a fucking tank. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the germs just sound like, you know, just craziness. And, and also, this is another band that I think needs to be mentioned because they're there early and they tour. They're one of the first ones that tour along with Black Flag are the Dead Kennedys. As much okay. as it's fun to make fun of Jello Biafra, they are absolutely and, and it is. Yeah. is so much fun. But they are absolutely important because yeah. uh, let's see, California Uberalis comes out in seventy eight or seventy nine. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that they start touring probably in seventy nine, maybe eighty. And um you know, they, they obviously become one of the big sort of, you know, tentpole bands of this scene. But, um, you know, all those California bands, like they they really they did ratchet as much of a cliche as it is to say, like they ratcheted it up. Yeah. And, um, you know, whereas stuff in New York goes in that no wave direction where it's all like sort of hard art and negation and Lydia Lunch, you know, screaming over like glass shards. If you're 15, 16, 17, and like you're really into the Ramones, it's going to be hard to go into, you know, Mars. I think one thing also with the Kennedys I think about, they sort of remind me of this idea that a lot of this, um, when we talk about D.C. and New York and, and California and L.A. and Orange County and everything, we also talk about sort of like the, the two coasts and having these big scenes on each coast also means that these touring bands like the Dead Kennedys are sort of creating the networks and creating these uh, – places and communities that like they, they were almost like roadside stops of uh, of scenes in these smaller towns that like okay you don't want to drive from like east texas to nevada in one go you need somewhere to break it up and you need to play a show so like you're gonna go play in like omaha or something or i probably get that geography wrong but you know like there's these places that like there's probably already a community and they're sort of forming a little more as these bands literally are like Johnny Apple seeding each mm-hmm. little community, right? Yeah. Like literally calling record stores in mm-hmm. towns and just saying like, can we play? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and 
I mean, uh, rightly so, you know, sort of the, the, the early tours that like, you know, Black Flag and Dead Kennedys, um, do, I mean, are absolutely instrumental in establishing the, you know, the network that, you know, becomes sort of the self-sustaining thing throughout the eighties. So, you know, I think that's kind of what's, what's going on in the stew. That's the brew that's sort of happening <laughs> mm-hmm. at this point, you know. That's where, that, that's like, who's, who's the potatoes? Who's the like carrots here? Who's, who's the meat? Oh, well, the meat is definitely, I think you got to give it to Black Flag. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Who's, mean, who's, just, who's, yeah. They're, they're, they're what gives the flavor to a lot of this. They're, they, they're the thing you go for. Yeah. I would say that Black Flag are the meat. Mm hmm. Um, the UK punk stuff and the Ramones are the veggies. And the <laughs> but, bore, bore that out. Bore that metaphor out. Let's, let's get terms and circles are kind of your, kind of your seasonings. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who's the potato? Who's like the, just like thickening, like you don't love it, but like it's kind of nice just to have this like bland, like extra bit in it. Who, who would, who oh, would UK potato? subs without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, let's let's get into it, man. Uh, teen yeah. Idols, uh, Discord number one. Teen Idols, Minor yes. Disturbance. It's it's a bunch of kids playing like music that they had heard, you know, yeah. like, like that's, it's not bad. I mean, I think we see, keep saying this, like, I, I don't know. Okay. I, I'm going to try to stop using good and bad here. I think that those are bad terms and it's just lazy to say that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think for this entire run, uh, and we'll talk about Flex Your Head separately, the first six, we're talking about just sort of different flavors of the same thing. We're talking yeah. about, you know, like vanilla ice cream or chocolate ice cream. It's still just ice cream, you know, and it's, it's a testament and it's a bit of a time capsule, but it's also this funny refracted time capsule because it's yeah. a bunch of kids in a, like, as you're talking in the first episode, a basically cultureless or like white, you know, like suburban cultureless devoid of culture yeah. uh, place hearing all these bands kind of learning how to play. And that sort of really beautiful punk idea of like, just play guitar, pick up the guitar and play it sort of feeling. Yeah. But yeah, Teen Idols is a bunch of kids who are angry and they heard some other bands who are like, you know, lower middle class UK bands who are talking about like important issues in, in their country. And they're like, oh, I don't like it. I don't like going to school, man. Like it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's cool. That's fun to listen to, you know. Yeah. It is. It, yeah, totally. Like I, I don't, you know, yeah. Like fuck, fuck the Grateful Dead. Deadhead on this is is a very pointed like you know I mean the shadow of the sixties loomed mm-hmm. fucking large in the nineteen seventies yeah. I mean if you want to know what the nineteen seventies were it was the hangover of the nineteen mm-hmm. sixties and just and you know you can see that in like stuff like I mean even if you look at like a movie like um, Dazed and Confused yeah. I mean all of that is is just a like hangover from 19 the 1960s and sort of the the hippies yeah and sort of all that stuff that you know was going on and just as a reaction and like you know at this point you know sort of like the default mode for american youth is like yeah you know like listen to grateful dead and smoke dirt weed and Mm -hmm. 
whatever. And it's like, I, there's, I think, yeah, I think, like, I think there's, there's, <laughs> there's also, um, the, this feeling of like, if you listen to a lot of garage, you listen to glam, like first off, they don't directly mention the hippies a lot, but there is sort of this like, Oh, how silly they were. We're serious now. Like that was so ridiculous when we were like that, but it's not direct. And it's not even like, they don't even dislike that time period because it's a lot of the same people. There's a lot of people who grew up then, yeah. but then you're, you're coming into hardcore, especially not just like punk, but like, the, you know, DC hardcore, uh, California hardcore. You're talking about people who this is their parents now. So it's just that yeah. real teenage youthful, like hatred of your parents and just thinking that your parents are just like, not only like, not only uh, ridiculous or, or don't you don't believe in the same things, but like they are wrong. They yeah, are completely maybe not, wrong. Not your, yeah, your parents, but, mm, but like yeah, your okay. teachers, maybe. You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or or you know like your older brother. Mm. Or, you know, I, I. But yeah, like absolutely, like you you just see sort of the hypocrisy of, you know, what came out of the hippies. Um, you know. And, uh, you know, Black Flag, like, well, not Black Flag, but Raymond Pettibone, who does mm. most of the art for Black Flag. I mean, if you look at, like, the artwork he does around, like, Charles Manson and all that, mm. I mean, he is so pointed and funny and dark about it. And it's true. I mean, there was a lot of dark, fucked up shit that came out of the, the hippies and yeah. that needed to be sort of, like, power washed away. And, mm. you know, I like the Grateful Dead. Like, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going to post it. I like a little touch of gray. I I get it, man. I get it. Yeah, you know, sometimes I just, is that freedom rock? Hey, man, is that freedom rock? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. Let's put State of Alert on pause real quick, and let's let's dive in. Um, We're going to talk about Minor Thread and E. Mackay. We already talked about him and and all those bands, but... um. I think something I want to bring up with the seven inch with the first minor threat release is let's talk about straight edge, you know, let's talk. I, and Do we don't it. have to like, we'll have to like get into it or again, saying good or bad is something I want to try to personally not try to do much on this podcast. But, um, I guess yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to try to make it like a personal story here of what I thought straight edge was when I was a teenager, when I was the same age that Ian and his bandmates and a lot of discord and a lot of punks, were when they were talking about straight edge is when I was 16, 17 and we were in high school together. And I think for a couple of years, I called myself straight edge. I wasn't putting X's on my hands out of, you know, like, uh, in solidarity or anything, but I, we went to a school that was pretty sports heavy. We did sports, we did crew. And that's about the most blue blooded, like prissy sport you can do in a lot of ways. But, you know, we, saw the kids on the baseball team and the lacrosse team. Oh, the lacrosse team. You know, they were like the villains, the closest thing we had to sort of like jocks at our school. And for me, yeah, I saw them going to parties and I saw them like, oh, that's so ridiculous, getting fucked up. Uh, how could that be the only thing you think of? Like, oh, when you do that, you treat women really poorly. Like, there's all these shitty stories about like sleeping with, you know, girls and like God knows what that means. And it, it, for, oh, yeah. But, like yeah. the majority of which were, were absolutely not true. I am willing yeah, of course. To, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, but that, that sort of culture but, of like, yeah. oh, I'm going to talk about getting fucked up. And that also means like bragging about like really gross shit that, yeah, even worse almost didn't happen. But yeah. <laughs> I'll say all that. And then I'll say like once I hit senior year and we, I sort of expanded my, um, friend group a little bit. Uh, I don't know even why, but I remember sort of just hanging out with a few more people and like uh, sort of visitation people, like the girls. <laughs> and that meant there were more people to go to parties with. And I was like, oh, I'm not straight edge. I just never had anybody that could buy beer for me. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, oh, parties are pretty fun. You know, yeah. like it's really weird when like, you know, you wake up in the middle of the living room and you know, pukes everywhere. And like, that makes you feel sort of like shitty about your decisions. But like it, but at it's the sort same of time, you're kind of like, awesome. Yeah. Fuck, you're taking a case. You know, I think for Ian McKay, there, there are some like legitimate personal reasons as to why straight edge becomes a thing for him. And, you know, he kind of alludes to some of that. I, I don't think I'm talking out of turn. He alludes to some of that in uh, our band can be your life. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and for for some of the other kids, I'm sure, you know, it was absolutely a reactive stance. But, you know, I do agree with you that a lot of it, I think, stemmed from just, I don't have anyone that can buy me any beer. <laughs> like, yeah, know? right. I've and, built up this really good friend group. And none of us really like prioritize this. Not that we don't like it. We just haven't prioritized it. So it's not a big focus. So yeah. let's like make that a point because it's a, yeah, it's a counterpoint to the people we don't like. Right. Exactly. You know, and I think Jeff, you know, in that documentary salad days, I don't know if you've seen it yet. Um, I Jeff Nelson, the drummer, uh, and co for minor threat and co-owner of discord, um, and uh, uh, actually, a Jeep Cherokee Grand Wagoneer aficionado. Um, <laughs> that'll that'll be for our extra podcast. Yeah, that's for that's for that. that's for uh, that's for the the B sides. Um, he talks about you know like how he fought Ian tooth and nail because it was like you know in his words it was like you know well like I don't drink all the time but you know sometimes I smoke weed but you know I don't make it like a big thing and he was like no but Ian was right like you know we had to say I don't do this I don't do that mm-hmm. you know listen there's no set of rules I'm not telling you what to do all I'm saying is I'm bringing up three things that are like so important to the whole world I don't have to find much importance in because of these things whether they're whether they're fucking or whether they're playing golf. Second version of Out of Step, where they yeah. he made him put in that like spoken yeah. word. He's like, look, I'm not talking about you know. Like, <laughs> it's so janky. Yeah. It's so lame. Uh, I always hated that part. I mean, and you know, like, <laughs> I, like Out of Step and Straight Edge were never my favorite Minor Threat songs, mm-hmm. but you know, um, that that chorus is just so. And you can hear Ian McKay just sounds so fucking annoyed at having to do so it. So frustrated, yeah. So mad that he has to do it. But, you know, I think, you know, let's remember, like, 1980, 1981, like, what's the popular imagination for punk rock? It's Sid Vicious. Mm-hmm. Sid Vicious yeah. and, you know, junkies drooling and, um, you know, like, uh, punk rock in the popular imagination is, you know, all... You know, it's the wreckers of civilization, yeah. um, you know, and uh, it's, just, it's just complete nihilism of, yeah, of, of just, yeah, like all not decorum, but it's, you know, they, they sort of appreciate that part, but they don't appreciate the like, it's, look, it's, it, it's important to care about something, but we yeah. just don't care about the same things as society. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, when sort of the popular imagination of, you know, punk is. You know, oh, the Sex Pistols spitting on their audience and, you know, bands like, you know, with the names like Dead Kennedys and, you know, um, just, you know, uh, heroin and, mm. and just all that stuff. Like to say, like, no, I, I don't smoke. I don't drink. And like, I'm not that's not what I'm about. But I'm yeah, I'm fucking punk rock. Like, fuck you. Like, you know, it's a, it's an, it's like definitely, I think, a laudable stand that they made, even if it was for most of them a stand that they made less out of high minded principles, maybe. And, you know, what we're, we're like sort of not really popular, but not unpopular kids at like a, at a high achieving school. Exactly. You know, and I think, I mean, that's kind of like, you know, like you said, that was kind of a joke that like, you know, I think a lot of our friends, you know, that we grew up with, like, who also sort of said like, oh, yeah, we're on straight edge. And like, as soon as like, mm-hmm. you got to college or as soon as like, you know, whatever, it was like, yeah. no, nah, I'm not straight edge. interesting just you know it's henry rollins it's it's henry rollins pre-black flag Mm -hmm. um you know and uh state of alert was uh actually 
formed out of the ashes of this band called the Extorts, which was uh, Lyle Pressler's band. Lyle Pressler goes on to play guitar in Minor Threat. Mm-hmm. Um, and Henry kind of moves in and becomes their singer. And, you know, the No Policy EP is the second uh, release. Uh, it's Discord number two. And um, it's, you know, it, it's, I mean, <laughs> I listened to it today and like, it's all right. You know, yeah. it's, the drummer it, literally mm-hmm. sounds like a wind up monkey. Like it, it yeah. literally just sounds like one of those like things. I mean, the thing I was always like, yeah, listening through these, the thing that would get me more than the lyrics, obviously, who would listen to this for the lyrics, you know, or even like the vocals, which all just sort of like Yelpy. Ian MacKay, I don't even know, like Minor Threat, I don't know if it's just I listen to it more, but it does. He does sound a bit more fine. He has a bit more of a voice. Uh, like distinctive voice, but like well, and there's there's definitely more of a melody. Yeah, but the thing, the, 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 the thing that gets me, like you listen to these different recordings, is like it's the recording, right? Sure. When we're talking about early, young, cheap bands, you're talking about uh, like what the difference of like how well you recorded it. Did it was just like a mic in a room sort of a thing, and and that was the more interesting thing than how like well the guitars sound because like most of the guitars just sound like four chords buzzy kind of sloshy really middle in the mix sort of a thing yeah so yeah mid-range kind Mm -hmm. of the reason i think the minor threat stuff stands out is a they were just such good players with minor threat you know they they take kind of that sort of speed and Lyle Pressler, you know, he's playing full, you know, and I think Mackay says this in the Salad Days doc or something. He said, you know, he's playing full bar chords, like mm. really hard to do. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's the hard stuff. Yeah. And like, you know, that's why it sounds so crisp and so spot on. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jeff Nelson was a fantastic drummer. Yeah. Or, you know, and, and Brian Baker, I mean, you know, um, I mean, Brian Baker was like 15 and mm-hmm. uh, he was a great, I mean, he was a great bass player. He was an amazing guitar player. Yeah. Um, we'll get into him later when we get to Dag Nasty. State uh-huh. of alert. I mean, I, I found it interesting just because you can hear, you know, it's, it's so interesting to me to like sort of hear these bands that like, just like, not that they're making it up, but like they're, they're really trying. Like you can mm-hmm. tell they're really trying. And, you know, I think Michael Hampton goes on to play uh, in, in The Faith, uh, which we'll probably get into in the next episode. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Rollins obviously goes on to Black Flag. Yeah. You don't really get a sense as to kind of like Rollins's range as a vocalist, I don't think. Yeah, you can hear his voice. And, I mean, again, maybe this is just like a, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just kind of interesting as a document. The yeah. one that I think that is worth sort of talking about is um, is government issue. Oh man, kick ass rock and roll. Wow man, kick ass rock and roll. I need a bomb, man. I need some drugs. Wow, this rock and roll bullshit is good. You know, government issue go on. I mean, the, out of all of the bands, I think it's out of the initial sort of wave of DC hardcore bands, it's government issue and scream that lasts the longest. And scream we'll get into, I think, in the next episode as well. Yeah. But um, government issue, you know, is really interesting because they're not sort of the righteous indignation that you get with minor threat. There's a lot more, I think sarcastic caustic type humor um mm-hmm. 
in in government issue and um that absolutely comes through i think in some of the later stuff that they put out that isn't on discord where they start to kind of you know really sort of lay into sort of just what a you know sort of uniform hardcore punk becomes by like 83 84 legless bull is is a really like fun record with government issue you kind of have an interesting contrast that exists because they're you know very you know they're the same you know age roughly in the same sort of milieu Mm -hmm. but it's just sort of different it's just interesting i think you know it's an interesting sort of thing to hold up as a mirror to the the first two minor threat yeah. uh, seven inches youth brigades possible ep i mean it's fine <laughs> yeah that's this is another one of those like yeah okay You know, Youth Brigade, I mean, it's not essential. Uh, if we're talking about uh, putting out music to sort of collect music that you're not sure will ever get a proper release or releasing out of necessity, I think that's really what Flex Your Head is. It was both a testament to the scene at the time, and it was also this like, okay, we, we're going to press, uh, was it, it's just a, it's just one 12 inch, right? It's not even a double 12 inch because these are like two minute songs. Yeah. Um, and they it get, is, it is a value for, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. You get a lot of music on this bad boy. And I want to, I want to start out by saying the, the first song, I think we were talking earlier about Ian McKay and obviously he's known as sort of this like serious preachy guy, but starting this like document that they knew was going to be released as like this, uh, tome of what the scene was they started with i drink milk with there was a lot of humor mm-hmm. In this stuff, and and I think if you go back and only hear the records, you lose some of that. That that's yeah. why I wanted to talk about government issues because like I feel like they're kind of like almost like the funhouse mirror uh, mm-hmm. in a way where like you know, um, where you know Minor Threat and and um, you know all these other bands are, are in state of alert or you know talking about you know moral majority man like yeah. fuck you up yours yeah yeah exactly you know and you know, government issues, writing songs like rock and roll asshole, you know? So like, I I just think it's fun, you know, that you do lose the humor in this Mm. when you only go to the, to the records. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I drink milk is kind of, milk is kind of like proto straight edge. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, (laughs) it's kind of like the, the first pass at, uh, at straight edge. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're yeah. like, all right, this is the this is the rough draft, yeah. Yeah, and then there, you know, there's Kami's song, which uh, I have not listened to, but I'm sure is just a absolutely it's, spot on uh, yeah. discussion so, of social political uh, issues with. Uh, mm-hmm. It's real. It's like Marxist, like a like a like a high level, you know, Marxist uh, <laughs> class. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, a lot of this, a lot of this. There's a lot of covers in this. Yeah. Um, like I was saying, Moral Majority, which was a Dead Kennedy song. Um, I, I do want to bring up the State of Alert song. Uh, it's a cover of Stepping Stone, but it's called Stepping Stone Party. sounds a lot like TV party in the sense that it's recorded as if it's in the middle of like a party. And yeah. I, I would not be surprised if they just took that idea and just kind of went with it. I mean, I, it's, maybe. it's just, it's the, band here that, the band here that for me that stands out is mm-hmm. untouchables. 
Untouchables was Ian McKay's younger brother, Alex, who at this point is 13, 14. He's really young. Too young. Really young. They uh, never, I think, recorded beyond these three songs, and they um, were famously volatile live, apparently. Like Alex McKay would, yeah, Alex McKay would just like go nuts. Hmm. Like like a hyperactive uh, 13 year old. Yeah. Um, as as we say that as the police siren what runs by. So uh exactly. they they heard we were talking untouchables and it's like, oh shit, we gotta shut that down. <laughs> They're um, back, oh no. Yeah, and uh actually their song Nick Fit um mm. is covered by Sonic Youth. <laughs> Never realized that until much later. Yeah. Um, you know, I because I I was I loved Sonic Youth. And yeah. Was, you know, in my you know Sony Discman from like 1999 on, and I really liked that song because it was just like this weird like sort of you know it's Thurston Moore mm-hmm. just going da da da. You know. Yeah, I, I I remember you were really into Sonic Youth in general, and you're really into Dirty. So I bought. The CD. I bought that. Uh, what were those like like two CD versions? Oh yeah, the editions. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I I got that, and I had never really listened to Sonic Youth before that. And I'll be honest, like it didn't strike me. Like I I was like, oh okay, I like I get it. There's you know a couple good songs. And I remember Nick Fit because it was I was you know 16, 17, and I really like sort of dumb punk music or dumb fast music at the time. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is like the best song of the album. And then maybe a couple years later. The 20 years of Discord compilation like, came out. Oh. I was like, oh, oh, I see. I, I yeah. don't like Sonic Youth. <laughs> uh, just, no, no, no. No. And then, you know, the other bands on here that are kind of interesting to talk about that I think are, is Side B. So Side A has, you know, sort of your marquee names. Teen Idols, yes. State of Alert, Minor Threat, Government Issue, you, mm-hmm. you debate, even though they're kind of lame. Um, Side B is kind of interesting. You have mm-hmm. Red C. the sum total of their recorded output, these four songs. Yeah. Um, Red Sea are also kind of interesting because Tony Young was an African-American uh, young woman playing in a punk rock band, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. And uh, it's also where we first encountered uh, Thomas Squip, who is now known by a name that I, I'm not even going to like get into. He's like on – I don't even – I got to I'll do some digging, but he he's not like a black Israelite because he's white, obviously. But he's like <laughs> uh-huh. he got into he got into some very like sort of heavy duty like you know spirituality stuff, uh, and he goes by oh. a different name now. But he ends up being uh, sort of a catalyst uh, around Discord and that, that scene, and he forms uh, Beef Eater. And yeah, that's that's makes sense. I didn't know that. Yeah. Fidelity Jones after that. You know, Artificial Peace basically becomes Marginal Man shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, Iron Cross. This is the only stuff I think they released on Discord. Yeah, they they released like um, a, like I think the Iron Cross album was was the first half release or maybe the second half release. With oh, a really? Sort of small label. Yeah. And okay. Iron Cross. Yeah. Like Oi Punk is about as always you can be we are the new breed and we will have a day we are the new kids and we will go away you say that you're too old you say that we're too young but looking at you 
They claimed yeah. they were not Nazis, but this was this is that period where you could probably claim that and not get a side eye like you would nowadays. I mean, nowadays if you're a skinhead, you're a Nazi. That's I think we can just say that <laughs> pretty straight. Uh, what if you're a sharp dude? If you're a sharp in 2018, like man, ugh, what <laughs> what are you doing? Just do anything else with your life. So, you know, Iron Cross, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sort of like Dante Ferrando is in this band. He goes on to uh, open the Black Flag or ugh, the Black Cat Club. Oh, OK. Huh. Yeah, he's he's one of the co-owners. Um, he also plays later down the line in uh, Grey Matter, oh, um, okay. which is uh, sort of the I think sort of the unsung band of Revolution Summer. But uh, we'll get down to that. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, Deadline is, uh, Brendan Canty's first appearance, uh, famously, uh, becomes the drummer for Rites of Spring and then, uh, Fugazi. Uh, I gotta, I gotta say Deadline is, is the one that stuck out to me. You know why? It's why? because the rest of that band, the rest of the members of that band, went to Gonzaga. <laughs> this, oh shit! It's the, some psychic. They were they were telling me to like the band. Yeah. I didn't even know. Okay, yeah. well, uh, very deep in their lyrics, you can hear it. It says, uh-huh. it says AMDG. <laughs> Eagles, fact, Eagles fly high, man. That's great. Yeah. Um, really, because for me, side two is all about void. Void, no, I mean, you're, you're right. Void definitely, like, it sticks out the most for me. Yeah. And it I sticks mean, out, I think. And we'll get to, we'll get to uh, the Faith Void split because mm-hmm. I mean I could talk about that record like all day. But um, when you sort of like put yourself in the mindset of like it's 1981, 82, and and you you know you're living somewhere you know mm-hmm. Ohio or whatever, and you get you 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 get this record, it's like whoa, not only like are are is there like a scene in like a city that I wouldn't think there is a scene in mm-hmm. a city that I know, but not for music reasons right like okay, like yeah that that's where the government is, but like I don't know any bands from washington d c and not only that, but like they all are like my age like mm. that's huge, yeah. Because even 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 Dead Kennedys, even these early bands you're talking about, they're they're older. They're a little older, but they're older. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're they're, they're out of college. Yes. Or yeah, they're around that age. They're they're early twenties. We we've said it like a million times in the fir- in these first two episodes, but like these guys, they, like they were so young. They're so young. <laughs> like it's just like kind of insane. Mm-hmm. Like to think that like this gets put out when you know, uh, when they're like maybe a year out of high school. Yeah. Like, and, and, and there's something about their youngness that like, obviously there are probably tons of young bands. I mean, we can attest to that. The idea of high school and slightly post high school bands exist time, you know, immemorial that it, it'll constantly be a thing. But something that can be said about this scene is that it was these bands who started when they were, 15, 16, even younger, and they kept going. They kept going for a yeah. long time, and they sort of uh, kept I like a, I, I, popping mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. And I keep I keep saying iterating, but that's what this that's what Discord is, and that's what a, a lot of it yeah. is is value about valuable about listening through to each of these records, especially as we're going to be listening to every single one of them. Is that you see these ideas come up sometimes literally the same idea, sort of played a little differently, played faster or slower, or played with a different person, so you get a little different sort of change yeah. to it. And 
So that's something that I think is is really interesting. That yeah, it's, it's a bunch of a bunch of people who are young who keep going. Yeah. And keep supporting each other. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's absolutely true. So so let's let's wrap it up. What's let's, what's your yes. favorite? What's your favorite track on uh, on oh, Flex? Favorite track? That's, uh, I didn't pick a track. I picked a band. Um, well, all right, go with the band. I already I already said I I like Deadline stuck out the most, but I don't know. I, like I said earlier, I, I drink milk was such a fun way to start this album, <laughs> and I just I, I love it. I, I really yeah. like that album, or that song. I gotta go oh, with ah oh, God. I gotta go with either Nick Fit or Dehumanized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Nick fit just because it's like, I think it's just sort of the, the, maybe the nostalgia of, of how I came to that song. And mm-hmm. then dehumanize just because the guitar on that is, is just. The, the next one, we're going to be talking about a few. I don't think we've decided exactly what we're going to do, but we're probably going to go through uh, another sort of round of these early bands. It's it's a lot of us, the similar bands. Minor Threat's going to come up a few more times. we got Faith. The big one is the next one, is Void Faith. I think that's going to be something we can talk about is this idea of what this album was. We can talk about, we're going to be talking about the album itself. Um, we're going to be talking about how they were originally called The Faith, and I think, like, The Facebook, someone probably told them, like, just drop the The. It's a lot better. <laughs> I'm probably going to keep, I'm probably going to use that joke in the next episode. I'm going to cut it out of this one, and, like, I'll make it better. I'll really, like... Yeah, really build up to it. <laughs> yeah, you really got to gotta build up to it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right, yeah. So, till next good. time, yeah. Discorders. We, we, we're going to name our fans. <laughs>